Back to Basics 2.0, Transmission-Based Precautions, by Lisa Spruce. Protecting patients and personnel from the transmission of potentially infectious organisms is a primary focus of the perioperative nurse. Existing and emerging pathogenic organisms, for example, coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19, create challenges for perioperative staff members when they must learn new ways of safely caring for patients. There are three requirements for an infection. A source or place for the organism to live, a susceptible host with an entry point for the organism, and a transmission method for the organism to enter the host's body. Therefore, perioperative staff members can work to prevent infections by disrupting the transmission of these pathogenic organisms. In healthcare settings, Implementing standard precautions and transmission-based precautions, for example, contact, droplet, airborne, are key strategies for preventing infection. AORN's Guideline for Transmission-Based Precautions is a comprehensive and valuable resource that provides detailed explanations for implementing precautions in perioperative environments. Perioperative nurses should review the guideline in its entirety. This article provides some basic strategies for implementing standard and transmission-based precautions in perioperative settings. Practice Point – Standard Precautions Standard precautions serve as the foundation for preventing disease transmission. Perioperative personnel should use these precautions when caring for all patients. Two specific practices included in standard precautions that help prevent disease transmission are providing a clean, safe environment for patients and adhering to established hand hygiene protocols. When there is a chance that perioperative personnel will be exposed to blood, other body fluids, or other potentially infectious materials, they must wear personal protective equipment, PPE, to protect their respiratory tract, skin, clothes, and mucous membranes, from coming into contact with blood-borne pathogens, for example, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, HIV. The selection of PPE depends on the mode of disease transmission and how personnel are interacting with patients. Healthcare workers, HCWs, must wear gloves when their hands may come into contact with blood, other body fluids, or other potentially infectious materials during tasks that involve touching non-intact skin or mucous membranes, contaminated environmental surfaces, or patient care items, or when performing vascular access or other invasive procedures. They must wear gowns, that is, isolation or surgical, when they expect their arms or clothing to contact blood, other body fluids, or other potentially infectious materials. Healthcare workers should select gowns that cover their torso from the neck to the knees and their arms to the ends of their wrists. The gowns also should wrap around the back. To prevent personal contamination when removing PPE, HCW should remove the gown and gloves as follows. 1. Grasp the front of the gown with gloved hands. 2. Pull the gown away from the body so that the attachments break. 3. While removing the gown, roll the gown inside out into a bundle, touching only the outside of the gown with gloved hands. Four. Peel off the gloves as the gown is being removed, touching only the inside of the gloves and gown with bare hands. And five, discard the gown and gloves into a waste container or soiled linen bin and perform hand hygiene. 
personnel must wear eye protection when they anticipate exposure to contamination from aerosols, splashes and sprays containing blood, other body fluids, or other potentially infectious materials. Goggles, surgical masks with attached eye shields, glasses with solid side shields, or a chin-length face shield protect the wearer's eyes from exposure. Personal eyeglasses without side shields do not offer the same protection as designated eye protective devices. Therefore, HCW should not rely on personal glasses for protection. Healthcare workers wear masks to protect their mouth, nose, and face from contamination. When perioperative personnel wear masks as part of sterile technique, they are also protecting patients from the potential transmission of pathogens from the staff member's nose or mouth to the patient or onto the sterile field. Masks should completely cover the wearer's nose, mouth, and chin and fit snugly so there are no gaps at the sides. Perioperative team members should select a mask that provides a good fit for their individual face shape. They should don a clean mask before each procedure, replace the mask if it becomes soiled or wet, and remove the mask last when wearing it in combination with other PPE. When removing a mask, personnel should touch only the ties and should discard the mask into a waste receptacle before performing hand hygiene. Healthcare workers should not hang a used mask around their neck because the filtering portion of the mask harbors bacteria that has been expelled from the HCW's nasopharyngeal airway and can contaminate their attire. For example, scrubs gown. When perioperative personnel require respiratory protection, they should use a National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH, approved, fit-tested, surgical N95 respirator or higher-level respirator suitable for use during surgery because a regular surgical mask does not provide adequate respiratory protection. Practice Point Contact Precautions When caring for patients who are or may be colonized or infected with pathogens transmitted by indirect or direct contact, for example, multidrug-resistant organisms, MDROs, Clostridioides difficile, HCW should use contact precautions in addition to standard precautions. When a patient requires contact precautions, perioperative team members should wear a gown, that is, isolation or surgical, and gloves, when contacting patients or potentially contaminated equipment and environmental surfaces near patients. Perioperative team members should don the gown and gloves before entering the room, for example, the preoperative patient room, and discard them upon exiting the room. When transporting perioperative patients to and from the surgery department, personnel should use contact precautions to reduce the transmission of pathogens to other individuals and into the environment. The staff members involved in the transport should discuss the required contact precautions before moving the patient. Staff members should adhere to the following. 1. Obtain the patient's physical chart, if applicable, and gather any supplies that will be needed for transport. For example, clean sheet or blanket to cover the patient. 2. Perform hand hygiene and don a gown and then the gloves before entering the patient's room. 3. Contain and cover any infected or colonized areas of the patient. 4. Place the chart, any medical items, for example, stethoscope, blood pressure cuff, or personal items that will accompany the patient 
on the bed. Personnel should develop a process to minimize the number of personal items transported to the OR and to contain the items. For example, place the items in a clean bag. 5. Dauphin dispose of the contaminated gown and gloves inside the room and then perform hand hygiene. 6. Don clean gloves before cleaning and disinfecting bed rails and other controls that personnel may touch during transport. And 7. Clean and disinfect the door handle that will be touched to exit the room. After completing all these steps, staff members should then remove their gloves and perform hand hygiene before opening the door, transporting the patient into the corridor, and closing the door. Personnel should base the decision to wear PPE on the patient's condition, for example, intubated, combative, pediatric, and on the expected interactions during transport. However, some healthcare organization policies contain additional restrictions and may include a requirement to wear PPE during patient transport. When wearing PPE during transport, HCW should don a clean isolation gown and gloves in the corridor after exiting the patient's room. In addition, HCW should refrain from touching environmental surfaces, for example, doors, elevator buttons, with contaminated PPE during patient transport. Before and after surgery, hospital staff members should place patients requiring contact precautions in a single patient room. When this is not possible, staff members should place the patient three to six feet from other patients. After caring for patients requiring contact precautions and to decrease the risk of transmitting MDROs, HCW should perform enhanced environmental cleaning in the OR as described in the AORN Guideline for Environmental Cleaning. Practice Point Airborne Precautions Perioperative team members use airborne precautions when providing care for patients who are known or suspected to be infected with small pathogenic particles or droplet nuclei that are less than 5 micrometers in size. Some diseases that are spread by the airborne route include tuberculosis, measles, chickenpox, COVID-19, and disseminated herpes zoster. Airborne precautions include the use of respiratory protection and other controls. For example, placing a mask on the patient during transport to protect the HCW caring for these patients. Before entering the room of a patient who requires airborne precautions, perioperative team members should don a NIOSH-approved, fit-tested surgical N95 or higher-level respirator according to the facility's policies and procedures for respiratory protection. When preparing to transport a patient requiring airborne precautions, HCW should complete the following steps. 1. Before entering the room, perform hand hygiene and don PPE in the following order. Gown, surgical N95 respirator, eye protection, gloves. 2. When the patient is ready for transport, cover him or her with a clean sheet or blanket to contain the colonized or infected areas of the patient's body. 3. Instruct the patient to cover his or her nose and mouth with a sleeve or tissue, rather than a hand, when coughing or sneezing. When possible, it is preferable to have the patient wear a surgical mask to cover the mouth and nose during transport. 4. Place the chart and any other items that will accompany the patient on the bed. Personnel should develop a process to minimize the number of personal items transported to the OR and to contain the items. 
for example, place the items in a clean bag. 5. Dolphin dispose of the contaminated gown and gloves inside the patient room and perform hand hygiene. 6. Depending on the facility's policy, personnel should remove their eye protection in the corridor after exiting the room or leave it on during the transport. 7. Don clean gloves before cleaning and disinfecting bed rails and other controls that personnel may touch during transport. And 8. Clean and disinfect the door handle that will be touched to exit the room. After completing all these steps, staff members should then remove their gloves and perform hand hygiene before opening the door, transporting the patient into the corridor, and closing the door. Personnel may remove and discard the surgical N95 respirator in the corridor by only touching the straps and not touching the front of the respirator. After removing the surgical N95 respirator, personnel should perform hand hygiene. If the patient is infected with COVID-19, HCW should leave the surgical N95 respirator on during patient transport and when they expect more than a brief encounter with the patient. Perioperative personnel should don a clean isolation gown and gloves in the corridor if they anticipate direct patient contact during transport to the OR based on the patient's condition. For example, intubated, combative, pediatric. In addition, they should refrain from touching environmental surfaces, for example, doors, elevator buttons, with contaminated PPE during patient transport. A team member who is not wearing PPE should accompany the transporter and perform needed actions, such as opening doors and pressing elevator buttons. After transporting the patient to the perioperative area and before opening the OR door to enter, the transport team member should pause in the corridor to perform hand hygiene and don a clean isolation gown, a surgical N95 respirator, eye protection, and gloves if they are not already wearing these items. When patients require airborne precautions, procedures should be performed in an Airborne Infection Isolation Room, AIIR, if available, and transport team members should bypass the preoperative area and transport the patient to the AIIR. Perioperative personnel should, quote, keep the AIIR or OR doors closed and minimize traffic in and out of the room, end quote. If an AIIR is not available, perioperative team members should consult with an infection preventionist for information on supplemental air cleaning technologies. For example, portable high-efficiency particulate filtration, ultraviolet germicidal irradiation. Postoperatively, perioperative personnel should transport patients requiring airborne precautions to an AIIR. After performing an aerosol-generating procedure, for example, intubation, extubation, bronchoscopy, on a patient requiring airborne precautions, perioperative personnel should restrict access to the room until 99% of airborne particles have been removed from the air. The length of time required to remove 99.9% of airborne contaminants depends on the ventilation system in use, so perioperative personnel should consult facilities department representatives to identify the required amount of time to eliminate airborne contamination in their environment. Personnel should wear respiratory protection if they require access to the OR before the airborne decontamination process is completed. Conclusion Perioperative team members should employ standard precautions for all patients 
and use appropriate PPE. When patients are known or suspected to have a transmissible disease, additional precautions, for example, contact airborne, may be required. Infectious pathogens can be transmitted to perioperative team members through direct and indirect contact, splashes, sprays, or inhalation of aerosols. Using protective measures, such as those discussed in this article, should help perioperative personnel decrease the risk of disease transmission. This Back to Basics 2.0 article contains three knowledge checks. I will now read the first knowledge check for the practice point, Standard Precautions. Mr. L is a healthy 50-year-old patient undergoing an orthopedic procedure requiring the use of a saw. The surgical team includes Jasmine, the RN circulator, Eliza, the scrub person, Damien, the CRNA, and Dr. D, the surgeon. Jasmine reviews Mr. L's electronic health record in the preoperative holding area and notices there are no indications that HCW should use any precautions other than standard precautions during Mr. L's procedure. Before she enters the OR, Jasmine communicates this information to Eliza and dons a surgical mask, eye protection, and gloves. Eliza scrubs her hands and enters the OR to don her sterile gown and two pairs of gloves. Jasmine notices that Eliza wears a surgical mask with an attached eye shield. Jasmine assists Damien with induction and observes that he is wearing an NIOSH-approved surgical N95 respirator. He also wears gloves during some direct patient care activities that involve aerosols, splashes, and sprays containing blood, other body fluids, or other potentially infectious materials. When Dr. D enters the room to don his gown and two pairs of gloves, Jasmine notices that he is wearing a surgical mask and a disposable eye shield. In this scenario, who did not follow the recommended practice point? A. Jasmine B. Damien C. Dr. D. Or D. Eliza I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Damien did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the second knowledge check for the practice point, Contact Precautions. Mrs. G requires contact precautions for an MDRO in her leg wound and will be undergoing an irrigation and debridement procedure. Amaya, the perioperative charge nurse, contacts the inpatient unit charge nurse to obtain information about Mrs. G's condition. She learns that Mrs. G requires transport in her floor bed and determines that three staff members will be required to move Mrs. G to the OR. After the discussion, Amaya shares the information with Donovan, the perioperative transporter, Sage, the RN circulator, and Kiara, a surgical technologist who has completed her assigned procedures for the day. The three staff members arrive at Mrs. G's room. Sage requests that Donovan and Kiara wait in the hallway while she performs hand hygiene, dons an isolation gown and gloves, and enters the room to complete the patient interview. When she is ready to transport Mrs. G, Sage requests that Donovan and Kiara enter the room, and they don isolation gowns and gloves before doing so. Donovan cleans the bed rails, and Kiara cleans the IV pole and pumps. Sage notices a wet serosanguinous area on Mrs. G's top sheet and instructs Donovan and Kiara not to touch it. After cleaning the environmental surfaces, 
Donovan and Kiara remove and dispose of their contaminated PPE and perform hand hygiene. All three staff members then transport Mrs. G to the OR. In this scenario, who did not follow the recommended practice point? A. Amaya B. Donovan C. Sage or D. Kiara I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Sage did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the third and final knowledge check for the practice point, Airborne Precautions. Tatiana, the perioperative charge nurse, assigns two RNs, Hector and Trevor, to accompany the anesthesia professional, Dr. G, to the intensive care unit, ICU, to transport a patient who requires airborne precautions to the OR. When they arrive in the ICU, Hector coordinates the patient interview with the ICU nurse and obtains the patient's physical chart. Trevor gathers supplies for the transport, for example, mask for the patient, clean blanket. Before entering the patient's room, Hector and Dr. G perform hand hygiene and don isolation gowns, surgical N95 respirators, eye protection, and gloves. They interview the patient, and Hector instructs the patient to cover his mouth and nose with a tissue or mask when coughing or sneezing. At the door, Trevor hands a mask and clean blanket to Hector and tells him that he will remain outside the room because he will not be participating in the patient's procedure. Hector provides the items to the patient and places the patient's required medical items, for example, disposable blood pressure cuff, disposable stethoscope, into a plastic bag for transport to the OR. Dr. G and Hector doff their gowns and gloves inside the room and perform hand hygiene. Trevor notices that neither Hector nor Dr. G clean the patient's bed rails and the bed controls, so he reminds Hector to do so. Hector dons a clean isolation gown and gloves, disinfects the bed rails and controls, doffs the contaminated gown and gloves inside the room, and performs hand hygiene. According to the facility's policy, he consults with Dr. G about the need for PPE during transport, and Dr. G indicates that he anticipates direct contact with this patient during the transport. Hector dons clean gloves, cleans and disinfects the door handle that will be touched to exit the patient's room, removes the gloves, and performs hand hygiene. Hector then opens the door, assists Dr. G with moving the patient into the corridor, and closes the door. Dr. G and Hector don clean isolation gowns and gloves while Trevor dons an isolation gown, a surgical N95 respirator, eye protection, and gloves. Trevor then moves to the head of the bed next to Dr. G. All three team members transport the patient to the elevator, and Trevor presses the elevator buttons as needed. The team exits the elevator and transports the patient to the OR without stopping in any additional patient care areas. In this scenario, who did not follow the recommended practice point? A. Tatiana B. Hector C. Dr. G. Or D. Trevor I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Trevor did not follow the recommended practice point.